Hey, hey y'all. Welcome to NOLA Hearts, a podcast to raise awareness about congenital heart defects and discuss resources about CHD and some other stuff. We're just two heart mamas from New Orleans doing this for four heart mamas. Our dads, grandmas, aunts, friends, whoever may want to listen. That's Susan Oakwin. And that's Lana Stevens. We feel like we have a lot to say. Welcome back to June. Um, Summertime. It's a glorious you know, thing. It's hot as a you know what, but I have to say <laughs> I am enjoying my kids not having school. Me too. I don't miss homework. Mm-hmm. I don't miss stress. I don't miss crying. I don't, like, same. I don't miss anything. Same, same. I don't miss watching bedtimes either. I'm like, just, I'm going to bed. We'll see you in the yeah, morning. see you tomorrow. Don't care because you're sleeping all day anyway. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. That's, that's one thing when you have three teenagers, they're like, yes. Just, you're like, bye. See you later. Susan and I are recording right now and it's late morning on a Sunday and I haven't heard boo from Harley this morning. It's been actually kind of nice. I got some growls. Did you? <laughs> I got some I, uh, one's growling, two left with their friend to go to the cool zoo. And I was like, oh, I forget that's open again. I'm looking forward to that this summer. I haven't been in a while. I haven't, I didn't go last year at all. I don't know if it was open because of COVID, but I'm ready to go back this year because it's a COVID for a while. I know, I know. (laughs) Kind of blew it out of my mind, but, um, yeah. And so today is our first episode in June, which is exciting. Today we're going to interview, um, a heart dad who was also a heart surgeon, but this week, Henry and Harley are at heart camp together. They are. They're away. And um, they're far away. Yeah. Like, I say far away because the years that Henry's gone, he's been, like, in Rosaryville or he's been on the North Shore. But now he's... Yeah, they're going to be a couple hours away. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. And I'm leaving today to go far, far away. I know. We're going to hear all about <laughs> Susan's Iceland trip when she comes home. She's leaving the country. What am I going to do? My do you have... can't wait to go eat whale and puffin. I don't even oh know. Oh, my God. Do you have... Um, I'm packing, like... Like, is is there, like, a phone... Like, do you get charged per text or phone call when you're I don't there? Know. Supposedly, work? there's some app. I guess i got to figure it out because I know the kids are going to want to... That's all I'll do at the airport. I'll figure <laughs> I feel like that's important. What I feel like I need to be able to get to you and touch base. Yeah. This might might be difficult like yeah, what do yeah. we do before cell phones and text messages? i don't know but every now and then i kind of wish i could go back i know like i wish i could go to dinner and actually not have anyone with a, myself included because i, I, I feel like say, it's distracting i was about to say what if it's me texting you <laughs> is that a problem <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so anyway um father's day is this weekend yes. so we're taking the red eye back to catch Father's to to Day with the kids. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but I'm excited. And yeah. I'm excited to hear about camp this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're getting older. So I feel like their experience is Probably different. Probably graduates this year from camp. This is her last year as a camper. Stop. I can't take um, it. Next year she can go back as a counselor in training, um, which I believe she probably will. But um, she is graduating and, you know, they do their, their end of week ceremony and where they dress nice and stuff and um, they and they honor the graduates. So I think she was excited about that. And there was, a, you know, a couple of the girls that she had been with all these years that they were graduating with her. So I'm excited to hear about how how they um how they honored them that night. That's awesome. It, it's like I feel like she just started, but now she's finished. But not really finished. Isn't she'll that stay like there. everything? Like when I, I was know. watching graduation pictures this year, I'm like, but wait, that kid was just born. I know. But wait, no, not yet. It's not time yet. I agree. Okay. Anyway, okay. so back to our interview. Yeah. Um, we digress. Yeah, always. <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, <clears throat> so we are excited to introduce Dr. Dennis Mello. Um, fun fact, he did Harley's last open heart surgery um, back in 2012 when he was at Oshner at the time. He is currently at um, Connecticut Children's Hospital, um, but we're going to hear all about his history and his experience with being a heart dad. So it's a um, very yeah. unique situation. Celebrate, celebrate Father's Day this year. Yes. All right. So here we go with Dr. Mello. Welcome to Dr. Dennis Mello, who's a cardiovascular surgeon at Connecticut Children's, but he's also a heart dad. Hi, Dr. Mello. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome. Hi. So we want to start with you sharing whatever you want about yourself. Where are you from? Um, where did you go to school? Tell us about your medical training, that type of thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> Talk about myself. That's always difficult. Um, well, I'm uh, Connecticut born and raised. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, which is the capital of Connecticut. And I pretty much uh, my early career and schooling was all um, was all done here in Connecticut. Um, I uh, went to the University of Connecticut Medical School after graduating Yale University undergrad, and um, after finishing uh, University of Connecticut medical school, I stayed on in the surgical program and did um, general surgery for five years um, and decided I wanted to go into cardiac surgery and specifically pediatric cardiac surgery, which I, uh, I saw very early in my career. And it was something that um, attracted me because of its complexity and, um, you know, it's uh, technical aspects and uh, it's this excitement of operating on, um, kids with, uh, congenital heart, uh, defects, uh, you know, attracted me to the field. And so after finishing my general five years of general surgery, uh, at the university of Connecticut, I went out to California and, um, did a cardiac surgery residency at the university of California, San Francisco, um, with, um, Frank Hanley, who's, you know, probably still one of the world's leading experts in pediatric cardiac surgery. Um, so uh, I did two years of adult cardiac surgery there, stayed on and did two years of pediatric cardiac surgery with Frank Hanley. Um, and then, um, so those were the first, the first time that I was ever out of the state of Connecticut, actually, to go wow. through my residency in California. Uh, I liked it out there, but, uh, you know, family was still back in Connecticut. And the Connecticut Children's Medical Center was just starting. It was just uh, developing a, a program. There was a small pediatric cardiology division, and so I came back as the first board, you know, certified board, you know, board certified pediatric cardiac surgeon to start the pediatric cardiac program, uh, surgical program at Connecticut Children's, and that was in uh, 1999. Um, and um, you know, the program got off the ground. We were a small program and, um, I was, uh, at Connecticut children's for about, um, say nine years in that time period. I collaborated with, uh, a surgeon at Yale, uh, university. Um, and we, we created a combined cardiac surgical program for the entire state of Connecticut, which was really a great thing to have the two small pediatric cardiac programs, uh, working together, uh, increasing our volumes, uh, improving our results, um, and making and creating a program for uh, the children of um, the state of Connecticut. 
you know, the other alternatives for kids in Connecticut were to either go to New York to the Columbia program or to leave the state and go to Boston Children's, which is, mm-hmm. which is fairly close, about two hours away from Hartford. So anyway, we created the program and it was a, a vi- very busy program. Um, um, and then the, you know, the, the transition to uh, New Orleans was interesting as there was a uh, pediatric uh, electrophysiologist who was uh, working at Yale who ended up moving to New Orleans, uh, Chris Snyder. Um, and um, he had moved down there. Things were changing at Connecticut Children's and uh, uh, he had called me up and asked me if I was interested in coming down. It was just after uh you know, Katrina, a couple of years after Katrina, I would, I think in mm-hmm. 2008, the surgeon had left, uh, the Ashner clinic. Uh, they were without a surgeon for a couple of years. Um, and it was very difficult to get physicians, uh, to the area. Um, he asked if I'd be willing to come down take a look at a position and help, uh, restart a program that had shut down for a number of years. So, uh, I went down and took a look at the program and, um, uh, you know, the conditions and everything. And it really attracted me to go down there and, and, uh, and give it a go. So in 2008, uh, I moved to New Orleans with my family and, um, we started up the Ashner clinic program, which I'd gone from doing surgeries to no surgeries for two years. And we started with a bang. I think the first year we did over 200, uh, 200 surgical cases. And then it just kind of grew from there. Um, I ended up, uh, I was at, I was ended up being at the New Orleans program for about six years. Well, we're, uh, we're grateful that you were able to be in that time stint that saved my Harley girl. So, um, we had you in 2012, so mm-hmm. we, we yeah. were very happy to have you, yeah. but understand that home is home and you have to get back home when it's time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, then, you know, the kind of finish out the story. So after, um, you know, there were family was homesick, everybody wanted to get back to the Northeast. So, uh, you know, we ended up coming back and, uh, my position at Connecticut children's was actually taken. There was, there were two surgeons working at Connecticut children's and, and Yale and that same combined approach that I had, you know, earlier in my career, so I went to work in Boston when I first came back and um, started working at um, the Tufts Medical Center program and also collaborated with a program in Maine, uh, at the Maine Medical Center program. So I did that for about four years. And then Connecticut Children's, uh, the folks at Connecticut Children's uh, started calling me and seeing if I was interested in coming back, uh, you know, to uh, to my home program. So, uh, they recruited me back to Connecticut children's in 18, the beginning of 18. And I've been there ever since. Um, so again, we have a very busy program. We're so busy right now that we actually, uh, our numbers are such that we have a nice, you know, unified program. We don't, we don't collaborate with the Yale program anymore. Um, but we're very busy. We see the full spectrum of, um, congenital heart disease from, you know, very simple, uh, to very complex, mm-hmm. uh, conditions. Uh, the only thing we don't do is cardiac transplant. Yeah. That's great. Wow. That's awesome. Well, you know, you have such a major history as a physician, um, and a surgeon saving lots of little lives. Um, 
there is a special reason that we wanted to have you on this episode with Father's Day coming up this weekend. Um, we understand you have your own CHD warrior. Is there something you want to tell us about that that special person in your life? <laughs> yeah, well, that backstory was interesting as well. So, like I said, I um, I went out to University of uh, let's say UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, to do my 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 adult and I ended up doing my pediatric cardiac residency out there. And, um, I was, you know, I was married and we were about to have our first uh, child when I was, I think my second year in cardiac surgery. Um, and unbeknownst to us, you know, our son, Chris, had, who was, uh, who was born out there had a transposition of the great arteries. Um, you know, we had been getting the prenatal ultrasounds, which everything looked fine according to the, you know, the OBGYN docs, but, um, unbeknownst to us, he was, and it was an interesting story because, um, in our OBGYN actually practiced at UCSF, but we, you know, my wife was like, I don't really want to deliver in a university setting. So we, he also delivered babies at, um, a private hospital, Cal Pacific. Um, so we, we, uh, we, planned our planned a delivery of Christopher Cal Pacific. And so he was in all, everything looked fine. I had gone to a couple of the visits and looked at the ultrasounds and I, here I am, I am in cardiac surgery already. I'm two years in, into cardiac surgery, almost doing ready to start my pediatric cardiac. Wow. And, um, and, uh, we're, you know, Christopher's born. Um, and, and I was there and come, he delivered, comes out and he's cyanotic and I'm like, what the heck's going on? You know? And, uh, so I kind of followed him into the, to the, to the NICU and, um, you know, we got an x-ray and they, they, you know, they were examining him and we looked at the x-ray and it, um, you know, looked like normal lungs. It wasn't at meconium aspiration or anything else, but it really looked odd and suspicious for transposition of the great arteries. So here we are, we're not even at my, you know, the, at the, at the program where I, where I was, uh, where I was working, where they had uh, full-fledged pediatric cardiologists and it was, uh, it was a little nerve wracking. So I called my friends over at UCSF and they came over, they did an echo and it turned out we had transition of the great arteries. We were at, at another hospital. They brought over all their stuff and did a balloon septostomy at the bedside in wow. a small hospital. And he was transferred back to UCSF where about a week later, uh, my boss, Frank Hanley operated on him. We had to wait for him to get back from a meeting. He was, he was at a, um, a cardiac surgery meeting in Hawaii. Uh, and so, you know, we just sat around for a week waiting for him to come back to be able to do the uh, transposition operation, which is an operation, you know, I do all the time now, which is, you know, it's interesting, but like he, you know, he, he we waited for him to come back and, um, you know, he did the operation, uh, about a week after he was born, um, you what know, it was a little bit of, Mello? this was 96. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did started my surgical, my cardiac residency in 90. It was 95. Yeah. He was born in 1996. Yeah. 1995 mm-hmm. uh, is when I started my cardiac surgical residency. So he's born in 96. Um, you know, and at that time, you know, transposition, I mean, arterial switch operations were starting to get, you know, fairly common. Um, 
you know, still a complicated operation. He had single coronary, which made the anatomy a little bit difficult. Um, and, you know, I did a number of transposition or arterial switch operations with him as a resident. And so when we were waiting, as he was operating, we were waiting. I was like, it's taken him quite a long time to finish this operation. Now, he usually does this in like three or four hours. And it's like going into the afternoon and we're sitting there, what's going on? So we find out he did, he did, did struggle quite a bit and uh, had to go back on pump and revise the coronary. And, wow. you know, so, uh, so it, was, it was a fairly complicated operation. His chest was left open for about a week after surgery. And, um, yeah, it was a challenging, difficult, you know, situation for us. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I was actually, you know, on the service. I was on his service, you know, taking care of babe, other babies and children. And my child was being operated on, which was a little odd. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went, so he, I went back to work about a week after uh, his operation, which, you know, back then, like, there was no, like, paternity leave. No, or no, anything right. like that. That's that happened. So we, I just went back and, you know, he was on my service and I was, um, I was rounding on him one day and he was having a seizure. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. I could see his, 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 uh, up, one of his upper extremities was moving rhythmically. And I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? So, you know, this is, you know, I don't want this to be a really long, long story, but like we ended up, uh, you know, scanning him. He had total occlusion of every, uh, vessel on his head, every venous connection. Wow. And he was draining through a little facial vein, but he otherwise was, you know, he looked okay. He had a seizure. He started on anti-seizure medications. The neurologist came by and, you know, scared the crap out of us and said, everything's going to be poor outcome and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we, we just kind of hung in there and, um, he just slowly improved. He was left on uh, seizure medications for about a year, um, had a repeat head MRI, uh, uh, about at about six months, I believe, or six to nine months, which it, almost everything had resolved in, in the brain. He had venous drainage. I, he, you know, the brain MRI was normal. And, uh, you know, we never looked back since then. He's been, you know, he's not a, you don't, you know, teenagers and these kids, you always think they're all a little bit odd, you know, he, but he's otherwise a really normal kid. <laughs> you know, but he, we went, we went through all that stuff. I mean, just like anyone says, yeah, their kids a little strange or, you know, uh, odd, but, We've always thought he was a little odd, but, you know, so are our other kids. So, you know, we went through all that stuff with him. He drove us crazy. You know, he eventually, um, you know, graduated University of Connecticut. He just got his master's from the University of Maine in athletic training. He's in athletic training for a D1 uh, school. And, uh, you know, he's doing he's doing he's doing he's doing well in terms of his repair. You know, everything worked out really well. I mean, he was a he was a. Uh, he was a runner in high school. He was a runner at, um, country day, you know, when he was, was, you know, when he was in uh, new Orleans, very competitive runner. So his heart's working well. He has a single coronary, which we're always worried about. We've never, you know, we've never studied it. We've never, we've never got a, a cat to look at his coronary, but you know, he has a stress test all the time. He's always running, you know, he runs like seven minute miles. So, So anyway, we went through all that stuff with him. It was crazy. Um, So, you know, and it it, every time I every time I talk to a patient with any kind of congenital heart disease, I always I always know that other side, the side of being a parent. And then when I talk to um, parents of kids that 
you know, are going for, you know, arterial switch operations for transposition, you know, they have a, a special place in my heart, but it's every kid with, with congenital heart disease for me is I have that perspective that, you know, I've had a kid who's gone through it. And it's funny. Some parents will say, you know, you don't know what it's like. And I'm like, yeah. no, I kind like, of I I I I do. I kind of do. <laughs> do. Well, because mostly but, we talk to these doctors and we say, you don't know what it's like. It's easy for you on that end, but you're one well, of I hear that um, a lot. I hear yeah. that a lot. And I don't always put it back at them because I, I know everyone's everybody. <laughs> think you should. I think you should. Uh, I think, everybody's I think stressed out too. And that's, they deal with things differently. So when they say that, I'm, I just say, yeah, you know, okay. I, I understand. Um, but you know, there are some times where, you know, we also have to give them bad news, you know, like yeah. their child don't, didn't make it or, you know, typically that doesn't happen anymore. You know, you don't usually have a kid that doesn't make it from surgery because you usually, you know, can, can get out of the operating room, but there are kids that, that don't make it after surgery. And, uh, you know, so you have to just, you have to, you have to be humble about everything because you never know, you know, what's going to happen. But yeah. Well, let me ask you. So my son has transposition also, and he just turned 13, but I'm curious, has your son had any other intervention since his original open heart surgery? None, none. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, and I, tr- I attribute a lot of it to, uh, to, you know, to Frank, Frank Hanley is just amazing surgeon. So he, he never had any pulmonary stenosis. Uh, he's got a single coronary, um, which we've been, I've been trying to think of ways to try to evaluate the coronary. We've done MRIs, which don't really see it that well. And at some point he might have to have a cast. Um, you know, he's had stress tests, which passes with flying colors, but he's never, you know, he's had never had any issues. You know, one of the most common things with transpositions, they can develop supervalvar pulmonary stenosis and need to either have a balloon, balloon angioplasty of the supervalvar area or sometimes even surgery. And it still happens in about five to 10% of patients. So, um, I talk to families about that all the time, and I, I'm just grateful that my son never had to have any any other interventions. His his incision's terrible. It's like a hockey stick, and it all fell apart. My wife was doing wet to dry dressing changes, but uh, he doesn't care, you know. And uh, that all healed up, but everything on the inside's working well. He's had echoes, and we, you know, I I bring him in into the division and echo him like every year, and really? his echoes look his echoes look fine, his PAs look fine. So what is, um, uh, that his name's Christopher, right? Yeah. Chris okay. What does son, Christopher yeah. think about being a CHD patient? Like, does he re- like, because he probably doesn't remember his surgery, um, you know, but he's grown up as being in, you know, first of all, your son and, yeah. um, second of all, to be followed yearly and often. So what, what are his thoughts? I mean, does, does he realize like, uh, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's really grateful. He's really grateful. He was in the situation he was in. He was, you know, he's, my son. And at the time he was in probably the best place in the world to be. I was one, I was thinking about it because if he was born in Connecticut where I was, you know, you know, had I not gone into cardiac surgery and I stayed around, I was just doing general surgery or something. And he was born in Connecticut. Uh, he, he had to go to Boston, have, I guess. huh? Yeah. If he went to Boston, that would have probably been a good thing or, or mm-hmm. New York, but he could have also, you know, been operated in Connecticut and not had as good a result, but right. you know, he's, it was, he's lucky, you know, I've taken him into the hospital. I've actually, there was a, t- a day where he could come in and, and see what this 
kids could see what their what their parents did. So he came in and watched me close a couple holes. Um, do you know? I think it was an ASD repair and a VSD repair or something. So he's watched the cardiopulmonary bypass and come in and looked over the screen. So I know it's what his eyes were like humongous. I bet. Oh my God, our our kids don't on? get those opportunities. You want to take one of our kids? Yeah, in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, they can always. Uh, I don't know with COVID and everything, it's so different now with getting yeah. people into the hospital. But you know, he came in and he saw what was happening, so he was he was really um, impressed in awe of what was going on. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So my son had his one transposition surgery, but everything since then has been pulmonary stenosis. So I guess that's mm-hmm. you know, that's more typical. of a common thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, to me, that's a, that's an amazing story. I don't know. You're, you're one, you're one that's very, I don't know if you realize how uncommon you are to be in your situation. I'm sure that you do because you're a very smart man and you do this every day and you realize how uncommon, but that is really uncommon. But, you know, like you said before, we talk about this often on the podcast. Um, we just feel like it's kind of one of those things, like you said, it was, you, y'all were meant to be in California at the time, obviously for him to have such a great turnout. Um, and it's one of those things like where this is where you were supposed to be at, at the time. So, and so your children after Christopher, none of them had any issues. Yeah. So that, that's a good question too, because so Chris was born in 96 and then, you know, he came home and we were just freaking out and my wife took time off from work and she was making sure that she's a nurse also. And she, um, she's a nurse anesthetist, but at the time she was just doing nursing uh, no, she, I think she would just finish nursing anesthesia school, but she took time off. She was just going to dedicate toward her time toward taking care of him, making sure he was going to get through all this. We didn't know what the neurologic outcome was going to be. The neurologists all said he's, he's not, not going to turn out to be anything. They were wrong. That's, that's wow. one big message. That's one big message too, is when the neurologist comes and says, start staying, everything's going to be bad. Don't listen to them. Um, I like that. They never, they I like never it know, because we're getting a lot. They never know from what they're that. talking about. Yep. And over the years, I've had that happen to me so many times where a neurologist will come in and say, you know, this doesn't look good. And then, you know, paint all these bad pictures. And I always tell the family, just, just hang in there. You never know it, you know? And sometimes I share this, the story, but a lot of times I'll just say, we just never know. And with the brain, you never know. And you could have really a bad, um, you know, CT scan or MRI, and it, it's not predictive of what's going to happen. And, you know, this is firsthand experience. So that's, that's the lesson there. But, um, so I think a lot of moms back- need to hear that for sure. I know. Yeah, we, cause we it's know overwhelming. Some- and, yeah. and right now we have a friend whose son has been through a lot and, and that's one of her biggest concerns is the neurological, you know, aftermath. And, um, so I think it would make her feel better to hear that, that, you know, you were told the same thing and you were just as scared and, you know, you know, way more about what was going on in there than, than we do. And it makes me feel a little better that you and your wife were kind of freaked out. Cause yeah. I'm like, yeah, y'all were very yeah, educated in this. And, we, you know, we didn't know at the time, you know, whether, whether they were, they're going to be accurate in what they were saying, but, you know, just, you know, just praying and, you know, trying to do whatever and going forward. And the more we went forward, every step that we went, everything kept seeming like it was going to be okay. Um, and, um, you know, neurologically yeah again like i say like you always know you say you know my kid's not normal but you know a lot of people say that about their kids uh he's you know probably not like completely normal but you know i don't know he's 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 a normal graduated with a master's you know normal normal as he needs to be yeah but then 
getting to the other kids. So yeah, that freaked us out quite a bit so that we said, you know, we're not going to have any more kids for a while. So it took us like five years to actually add another one uh, just because we were just so, you know, devastated with what went on with Chris. So the, my son, Jack, the middle guy was born five years later. And then Olivia, my daughter was born the year after Jack. So, you know, it took us a while. It was just, it was, we were shell shocked, you know, from the first shell shock from the first one. Okay, so yeah. it took us a while to have another. We were a little, uh, we, were, two we been, were about four and a half years after Harley too. So it was, it, it's total. I think that's a normal feeling. Um, Dr. And I signed I, off after that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I signed off after, after my, my son's a twin. So I was like, oh, this is number two and number three and I'm good. I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. after this. Yeah. Um, Dr. Mello, mm-hmm. we only have a few more minutes, but we do want to kind of touch on just a couple of things. So is there anything you want to make sure gets so in there? One thing we always ask uh, the doctors or whoever we're interviewing, whoever. parents, um, we ask them if they have one piece of advice to share with our listeners, what would it be? So I'm asking you, like, do you have a piece of advice as a doctor, as a hard dad or a combination of both to share with our listeners? Well, it's along the, the same lines that we've been talking about. You know, you got to persevere. You got to, um, you know, not take life for granted. Um, you know, you know, we thought everything was just going to be fine with our kids. And then when something like that happens, it makes you, it grounds you a little bit and makes you um, think about how precious life is. And, uh, you know, you just never know. You have to, uh, I don't know. I, I, I see um, we have, we have diff- diff- different populations of people we take care of. And there's a lot of people that um, you wonder, they don't take care of their kids as well as like, you'd expect and sometimes you can't even believe like what they actually do even even some even some kids that you know that have heart conditions or have medical conditions and and the the parents are just not being good parents and i don't know i think i think uh you know life's precious and you have to like um you have to stay plugged in you know and i don't know i don't really have any lessons just you know persevere you know and you know to get into a a difficult spot just keep with a kid you know or you know your kid that's got uh congenital heart disease just hang in there and stay strong and keep working forward and um it's always a lot of good things that come out of that well we agree with all of those things and it's nice to be able to hear someone who's experienced it with us alongside us, um, but on the other end as well. So we can't thank you enough. Uh, Father's Day is this weekend. Uh, is that something that you is a big weekend for you? Do you have like major plans or do you have um, a tradition that your family typically does and are you spending it with Christopher and your other kids? Um, not really. They know that I I have very little time. time. (laughs) Yeah. So they, they want me to be happy doing what I like to do. So I can tell you the last, probably, I don't know, as many father's days I I can remember. I still, I get on my bike and I go for a two, three, four hour bike ride. And, um, you know, this kind of stuff I'm talking to you about right now, like sitting in a vineyard, you know, halfway through my bike ride, this is the kind of stuff I like to do. And now it's, it is sort of like solo. Yeah. But then uh, I do like to hang around with the family and um, appreciate Father's Day. Now it's next week. I didn't know that. I thought next week was Memorial Day. Stop. We're recording this early. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is going to air. Oh, you guys are. 
You guys have to edit that out. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, because I'm trying to get all of our secrets. I, I'm well. I'm trying to get all my all my stuff together. I got. We scared you. Coming up. We're grateful we caught you. And for our listeners that don't know, because they're not on the Zoom call, he's actually interviewing from a vineyard um, on the on the side of the vineyard on his bike ride in the middle of the day. So he made time for us in the middle of his bike ride in between saving lives. Yes. And you know, no big deal. Just like surgeons and dads do, right? <laughs> well, thank exactly. you so much, and we hope you have again. a great Father's Day. It was great speaking with you. All right, take nice care. Talking to you guys too. Well, that was awesome. I enjoyed talking with Dr. Mello. Obviously, for just different reasons, just because um, it was nice to see another side of the surgeon that did Harley surgery. So, if anybody's listening and happened to um, go through surgery with him during that stint he was in New Orleans um, or anywhere, really. Um, it, it would probably be interesting for you to hear what he had to say to us. I liked hearing his dad side of things. I always like hearing too about other people who had transposition yeah. like Henry. And, and so long ago and who's older than Henry. Yes, who is older. And I always find it interesting, you know, Henry has had, you know, the 11 cats and two open heart surgeries, but one of the open hearts and all 11 cats have to do with his pulmonary stenosis, which was his secondary diagnosis, not you know, his switch works. So it's interesting that Dr. Mello's son had the same thing. But and had Henry stenosis. not had pulmonary stenosis, he probably never would have had another intervention, right. Right. you know? And so it's it's always good to learn different people's stories because every, every case is so very different, which is something I try to remind people who right. ask me about it. Like, Well, and we've recently met some n- newer transposition moms. Um, yes. And so it's good to hear, like, there's a 20-something-year-old out there that's doing really well. And I know. do. I remember when we were interviewing doctors for Henry, the oldest kid that had survived the arterial switch at the time that Henry was, which was 13 years ago, was 25. Wow. So, you know, I was like, all right, so he's at least going to make it till his 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, now that's like so beyond past. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, hopefully. Well, now hopefully that person's almost 40. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was great. We really appreciated Dr. Mello um, as we watched him. Our interview was in the vineyard. I know. I'm like, can we be there? There's, don't you feel Can I be like in Connecticut in the vineyard? so often I feel like I wish that people could see our interviews, like our Zoom interviews. But not see us. But not see us. We'll turn our <laughs> can we do off. that? Yes. I feel like it'd be fun to have like an on-location interview time. Like yes. we go somewhere and we interview people from like a pretty scenery. Yes, I agree with that. You know. Um. So yeah, he was in a he was on a bike ride and he was made time for us. <laughs> took a break. <laughs> took a break from surgery. Took a break from his bike ride to chat with us, and that meant a lot to us. And we were able to be jealous that he was in Connecticut weather um, and sitting in the middle of a vineyard. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, to all the dads out there, heart dads or not, um, we wish you all a very happy Father's Day. We hope you have a great a great weekend and day with your kids, parents, siblings, friends, whoever you may be sharing it with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And please remember, if there's anybody out there that wants to share their personal story, to please reach out to us at nolahots.gmail.com. Sorry. You could follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can listen to us on several um, platforms. 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 Thank you. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Pandora. If you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to rate us. We're looking forward to the next episode. Don't forget, no judgment here. It's all about survival. Cheers. Cheers.